been a day. Fuck it, I'm working. I'm recording it then. I don't give a shit. Let's do this. Hell yeah. Oh, come on, Pizza Light. Work for the fans. There we go. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Let's get staying on. I don't care how bad it looks. It's staying on. Okay. It's part of the ambiance. There's a story to tell. Okay, man. If it's stupid and it works, it's. You know, it's not stupid. It's a beer. And it's water. So. Uh, okay. Scratch. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're recording. We're live. Yeah, we're live as fuck, bro. There's no oh, background okay. now. Uh, okay. Uh. So I guess I have to introduce myself. Um, yeah, you should probably Matt. start by doing that. My name is Matt Catalano. Um, I was born in Dunkirk, New York. I'm very and sorry to hear that. If anybody knows the area, you know that the biggest rival to Dunkirk is Fredonia. And that's where I went to school my entire life. So... So basically, you're your own rival. Be honest with you, yes. That pretty pretty much epitomizes my life. That, that's 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 a quote worth of a thousand words, right there. I am my own. So, rival. how long did it take you to realize you're your own worst enemy? Uh, about five seconds ago. <laughs> so, what you're saying is, like, at least you're not smart. Yeah, at least I'm not that smart. Yeah, no. Good, you're one of us then. Welcome to the Wonton Wednesday podcast. Now that you've admitted you're not smart, we can only propel ourselves up in trajectory from there and learn from our past mistakes, and then directly proceed to make them again. There you go. I mean, it's, that's the way of life, right there. I should have just joined the Marines. <sighs> Well, I did that once, and I would highly recommend it to anyone who, who, uh, like, you know, just basically anyone who can walk and chew bubblegum at the same time. Yeah, I can do that. I play drums for a while, so I can do more than a couple things at once, anyways. Well, okay, man, like, I've got a great job for you to do in the Marine Corps, then. How would you like to get yelled at while playing drums? We have been to have we been in a high school band room before? That's actually no, they, I never have. It's all they do is yell at the percussionist to shut the hell up. It's, no, I mean like military yelling that everyone sucks. You all are trying to ruin whatever you're trying to ruin. You're the worst thing that's ever happened. Not just like general shut up, but like you've made life considerably worse just by being alive. Oh, okay. I mean, that's what it's got to be. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, everyone needs that for at least a few years in their life to go, you know what? And then one day you're like, I am good at this. <laughs> I can't do things. Uh, they haven't yelled at me in 48 hours. I am good at this. Oh, yes. I mean... I'm in charge of people. <laughs> I bet you. 
I reached that point. It took 10 years of employment at tops, over 12 years of life for them to put me in charge of people. The place didn't burn down. And Fires then you got- left them. I left them. You're like, yeah, no. One day I was buying my meat and talking shit with Matt. The next time I go there, Matt's not there. And I'm like, anymore. what happened to my little cracker friend? Well, he's gone. Yeah, and now he, and then you went back to uh, slinging pizzas. And I'm like, man, this place sucked that bad. He went back to slinging pizzas. I'll tell you what. At that moment in time... Grocery retail in the area was probably the worst business to be in. Uh, I don't think it's gotten any better. Just going to go out on a limb based off of uh, what I've seen from last time I walked into that building. Well, like, like I said, at the time, the employment aspect of it was atrocious in that building specifically. It was as bad as Walmart. And Walmart, as you know, is terrible. Uh, I've heard stories. I've never actually worked there. Yeah. But it really was just, if you wanted me to get into the corporate side, because that's where I was before I stepped away, the company got sacked with a half a billion dollars plus worth of debt from previous ownership that was ballooning into a payment they couldn't pay because the grocery market was in a downturn and there was the profitability was like 10 was like 5%. So they were doing everything they could to try to make profitability and they filed bankruptcy a month after I left. Yeah, I do remember reading about that when that happened. Got that half a billion dollars worth of debt off the books and last time I walked into that building everybody thought they were going to lose their asses and everybody got three extra employees in every department across the store because the company had money to pay employees again. And I went, if I had stuck it off for six months, I would have gotten two promotions and probably my own store <laughs> and a team of people to build. Question though, where would they have put you for that store that would have been quote unquote your own? Pick any small you- top quality conversion. And I probably would have been an assistant manager. There's about 10 of them in the area I could have stepped into and been an assistant manager probably by the next calendar year because at the time they made that decision, um, they had like 100 salary salary manager employees walk off the job. So they had to like quickly promote MODs into positions of to cover shifts and then train on the fly any key training they had in in masterclass style to get people up to speed to keep stores running. Thankfully, they, it was mostly corporate management and not uh, seasoned union employees. Therefore, the majority of the work itself still got done and it just got done the way, done the old way. And then whatever broader corporate changes, you know, get installed every quarter got installed when they got installed and had somebody to, you know, install them. Programs were being put in place for efficiency before I left. And bigger stores got them first, smaller stores were getting them in smaller doses. And it's pretty much people coming from big stores to small stores and management positions and just 
plugging it in and saying, here's how we're doing things now. Get used to it. So there was a lot of that before I left because I did time in Ellicottville during their snow season. They always bring in anybody who's worth anything under the sun to help work in that small store for the two weeks of the year that they do business like Tops of Dunkirk. So store the size of Silver Creek, quality tops, you know, probably a 5,000 square foot building doing the business of a 100,000 square foot building. Because I know, I've been to the Ellicottville store before. You've been there? Yeah, I've gone to Ellicottville and stopped at the tops. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is tiny. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember being there that last year. Lost my cell phone in the snow. Uh, oh. Didn't realize it until three hours into my shift. So then me and a couple of guys went out, and I finally used someone's phone to, to find my phone, and it was sitting face down right underneath my truck in a slush pile. Thankfully, I didn't run it over trying to back it out. Uh, <laughs> and I thought it got shoved into a snow pile, and it was gone down the street somewhere. But I turned up, find my phone on in the digger, and it went ding, 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 and I heard it, and I picked it up, and it was just face down in the snow. Um, but I was there at 6 a.m., and that was like 10 o'clock in the in the morning. And in that six, in that four hours, I'd broken down two or three pallets, worked them on the floor, sorted them on the carts, um, probably prepped to receive a perishable truck. I don't remember that day, but I was there for like a week straight, working like 6 a.m., to like two thirty, three o'clock, just chucking groceries, stocking shelves, clearing carts for the next run of deliveries. And they had, you know, everybody under the sun coming in and out doing the things. Yeah. So, and they paid me a pile of money to travel back and forth. So for, you know, oh, I dude, found you never go wrong with that. No, I figured out ways to make money along the way. In short bursts. And then when I worked at my home store, I was losing my ass. <laughs> so, uh, so to all the listeners out there, um, don't let your student loan debt default because they will find you and they will garnish your wages. I mean, there's like seven people that may or may not listen to this, and I'm pretty sure like Never. you're the only one that's done, done college. <laughs> so... <laughs> that was, was going to be like a middle part of our story, but we didn't start really from the beginning. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we, we, um, can, we can jump back to uh, to I don't know when did I first I guess meet your acquaintance? I'd say probably. No, no, no. I have a better first question. I have a better first question because I like I've always known who known who you were because. I graduated with your older sister. So here's the real fun question. Um, you, you you were in band. You played drums. You did it well, right? Uh, oh, playing drums? Yeah, I mean, you at least did it well, right? Uh, oh, um, I was a good concert band percussionist, yeah. Uh, I, okay. I went That's to part of the question is this. I no, 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 I don't need, we don't need to go into these details because, like, this is all leading somewhere. And you had pretty good grades in school, and you were pretty decent at that, right? Be average. All right, see, you were pretty good, and you were in the band. What made you think that it was a good idea 
to join the hooligan squad of the wrestling team? Uh, I was already on the football team, and it was a good second sport to be in. I like how you immediately got put as the kid who had the lightest weight <laughs> into that slot for varsity. I'm like, damn, that's lucky. <laughs> it was like, yeah, yeah, that's our varsity 95-pound wrestler, Matt Catalano. Only person who weighs 95 pounds. Uh, yeah, natural weight, 95 pounds. That was sophomore year, remember. Remember freshman year. Remember that. Freshman I think, year. I think you had to, like, wrestle up, though, didn't you, freshman year? Because you weren't even 95? Yes. Yes. Yeah, if I remember there, correctly. I'm there, is, there is a, a, or at the time, when I joined the wrestling team, there was a, for exhibition purposes, minimum weight of 88 pounds. And normally in an exhibition match, it didn't matter what you weighed as long as you weren't overweight for the weight class you were wrestling within reason. But right. when we went what when we went to the Lewiston Porter or the Lewport tournament, it was sanctioned. And I had to make weight, minimum weight for the ninety six wild weight class, which was eighty eight pounds. My natural weight at the time was eighty four and a half pounds. So you drank half a gallon of water? I chugged three 32-ounce Gatorades and got in the scale at 98.6 pounds and then proceeded to hit the urinal six times before my first match. And yeah, I've done that before, too. Wet, wet myself on the bus trying to hold it because we got caught in traffic going to the tournament. Well, that's when you keep a hold of those all those bottles of Gatorade that you fucking drank and you pee in those. Well, I couldn't. I had to hold it so I could make the weight. Yeah, but you drank them, but the, you, did you throw away the bottles? I don't remember. Always keep a bottle to piss in. That's a pro tip. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I was I was a ninth grader. What did I know? Well, I probably would have done the same thing, but knowing that now, I'd be like, hey, I was told drinking all that water, I didn't. keep that bottle. I'm, I'm pretty sure we got there. I went into the, I went into the dressing room, and I, and I just you know, pop the cork, if you will, and just kind of, like, relieve the pressure valve and then shut it back off again. You had the Austin Powers scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More or less. Yeah, yeah, you, you peed for ten minutes. Pretty pretty sure Frank Solinsky was standing there laughing at me the whole time when it was all said and done. Pretty oh, sure. fuck yeah, I approve of this already. Oh. Great, it's good times. Oh, I mean, but he'd laugh at every inappropriate thing. That's part of what made him so fun and lovely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So let's see here. So, wrestling team. Wrestling team. Freshman year, you got to. Uh, experience the uh the joys and wonders and uh stupidity that entailed from that and you didn't go running away screaming these people are insane fuck them you went I, ah, I, yes, I, my people i literally got got my lip bloodied every single day for three months you know in a scrum with either 
future state champion Chris Conti, future state champion Kenneth Betts, future state contender Brandon Strandberg, future Florida state contender Jacob Lawhead. Every day for uh, three months. Yeah, that sounds about par for the course. I mean, Matt Korzineski just had to deal with me, and I almost broke his arm on his birthday. That was an accident. I did not mean to, and I apologized. And then I found out it was his birthday the next day. You couldn't even break his arm so he could have the, his birthday off of wrestling practice. See? Kind of friendly. Uh, I mean, I wasn't trying to be a friend. I was trying to make him tough because he was my friend's little brother. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, you're my friend's little brother, so I'm going to teach you everything I know, and I'm going to turn you into a tough son of a bitch, Matt. And, yeah. Don't cry. He, he, was, a t he was a tough son of a bitch. I loved him. But he, he had one fatal flaw. Too flexible for his own good. You know, he like, um, that, like dislocated his left arm so many times that he couldn't wrestle anymore. And he had to have it surgically repaired because he dislocated it so many times wrestling because he was too flexible and he would dislocate his shoulder all the time. I don't think that was because he was uh, too flexible. I think it's because he had an extremely high tolerance for pain and he wouldn't give a shit. I mean, I know he had like weird, like triple jointed fingers and stuff. So he had, he had. Yeah, but your fingers and your elbows and shoulders are totally fucking different builds. I just going off what I remember. That was that was years ago. I just know. Oh no, he was. To put it into animal terms, he was a bear that would chew off his own leg just to get out of a trap to try and bite your head off again. Sounds accurate. Yeah, that was him. Yeah, that was Matt Korzineski, and that's why I loved him. But I, that's also why I tried to when I was working with him for that year. I would try to like drill technique into him and how to do the proper escapes and the counters to those escapes and the counters to the counters to those things so that he would have an actual good fighting chance of having good technique. Cause I was, I fucked myself young cause I was strong for my age always, but I was never good technique because I'd just try and power through. So I never learned a lot of technique until way later when it didn't, help me. And I was just like, well, I guess I can just teach people technique. <laughs> You're like, yeah, my, 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 but if, you know, fighting brains aren't, they're not quite wired together. But if I'm just in a teaching yeah. moment, brain works fine. If I'm in a fighting moment, I'm just going to bloody you until I either get pinned or I pin you. And that's all there is to it. Yeah. I, Basically, if you put me against someone who I was stronger than I could use my minimum amount of technique and my good strength and I could take them out. If you put someone who was less strong than me, but had amazing technique, I was done every time. That was me for the first, right. first probably two and a half years. I don't think I knew what, what a wizard actually was until like halfway through my junior year of high school. When Conti Sr., not Coach Conti, but his dad pulled me, was yelling, Use the wizard! Use the wizard! And I'm hoping I go, What the fuck's a wizard? You're always yelling it. I don't know what it means. And then someone looked me in the eye and they took me aside one day. They're just like, Well, you do this, and then you do this, and you go, 
and throw the guy to the side. And I go, oh, okay. And then somebody shot a leg on me like the next drill, and I stopped them like I knew how to do, and I balanced them out, and I put my hand between the inside of their shoulder, and I used the wizard to slide them by and get and get position. I went, oh, that's how you get two points, okay? <laughs> I got so used to fighting for my life that I never actually learned proper technique. And then once I finally, you know, my brain caught up with my body, I was able to hold my own and they made me a captain my senior year because I was there and I knew how to wrestle hard and, you know, not be a pushover and not pussy through practice and, you know, guys next to me that I practiced with were going to States because they had more experience and drilling with me made them better. So I guess it worked out in the end. So. Hey, um, hard work fucking pays off, though. That's something you do learn in that room. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just far enough yeah, like, to be prepared for it. Like even, yeah, pretty much. Like, even, like, if you're in that room and you're working fucking hard, someone is noticing. Like, that's all I have to say. Someone is noticing if you're in that room and you're working fucking hard. It might not be the person you want to realize or that you want to realize that you're working hard or that you feel like should be realizing that you're working hard. <laughs> someone is fucking in there watching and someone is going, God damn. Mm-hmm. And they're just, and they're going to be like nudging their friend or they're nudging another coach and they're going, see a fucking little Catalano is doing right there. Yeah. That's what we need. Fucking 40 more people doing. <laughs> Do, do, do you remember me bridging for my life for six minutes at a time? My the majority of my matches because I was underweight and under strength. That was me my freshman year bridging for my life. I do remember watching you bridging and going, "He's gonna break his neck, maybe." Strongest <laughs> muscle I had were my leg, were, were my thighs, and my neck. It's it. It's all I had. It's all you <laughs> needed, man. Dude, I even my, my senior year, I get off the mat and I'd just be like. All right, somebody put my shirt back on. I can't lift my arms. Like, just numb from here down. Just gassed. Gassed if I had to do any serious work. No matter how how hard I train, just gassed. Just gassed. They're still not big. Well, I mean, those muscles aren't the strongest, but they are still pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, like, neck impingement issues from all that? Or is like your neck holding up good? I mean, no abnormal effects from any of that. No. I mean, my neck was always strong. I've started playing football in seventh grade. Okay. I mean, that doesn't make your neck strong or like, you know, because good. I, I mean, I had fucking to... hard hits and those neck bridges. Like, yeah. there's a lot of fucking wrestlers out there that have neck issues just from like bridge drills, not even like ridging in a match for fucking the entirety of it. Right, right. Well, I mean, I, like I said, it was only the one year. After that, it didn't happen too often. So, because, you know, my body cop to the weight class I was wrestling, so I at least wasn't completely overpowered. You know, I used my length as nimbility, if you will. Um, 
No, I've always had an oversized head. I have a very heavy head. I, you know, chew through pillows just because I have a really heavy head. Like, I just flatten out any cut rate pillow. I've got to buy an ex uh, expensive pillow. Otherwise, it'll just turn turn into a pancake in about a year. Just have a big head. So, big head, strong neck. They equate it into strength. That's still my, my strongest core is I get anything from here. And I can do pretty much whatever I want with it. 150-pound washing machine. I catch it like this, and I'm like, okay, where am I going to go? You know? Yep. So it helped, helped me build a strong upper core, but I do have a bad back. Like, Well, yeah. that's because you're in your 30s now. Well, my chiropractor is just like, you know you've got, like, borderline scoliosis in your back? I'm like, no. He goes, oh, Whoa. yeah, you're your back's supposed to be like the term between the upper back and the middle back is supposed to be, you know, curved and smooth. Mine's like pointed. It's like borderline scoliosis. Yeah. yeah. He's like, he's oh. like, that, that's why you hurt yourself carrying your kid around for the first year. Like I literally hurt my back between working on a delivery truck and, and, you know, taking care of my kid, having to hold them and cradle them and burp them and do all that stuff. And just sitting down in the chair with them curled up and just, everything got tight and then all of a sudden I pinched a something in the lower turn because everything up top was too tight and I got shooting pains down my leg like a one of those sciatic spikes it was exciting it's a fun summer two years ago so yeah that sounds like it so I go see a chiropractor once a month and he he does some therapy on my back and stretches me out and says you've been doing your stretches I go some he goes do more you should probably start working out and eat time yeah, I know. I'm 35, 36. I know. <laughs> so. I mean, I'd recommend it. It saves my ass. Yeah. Then literally, I mean, like, hamstrings, ass, lower back. Like, that's my fucking favorite area to work out because otherwise, that all hurts. So I have to, like, keep it strong so it doesn't get weak. That's what he wrote up to you. He said, he said, you can do anything... At home, try to do any kind of light core exercise. Like anything you can do to just to just rebuild your front core will help your lower back so it doesn't. But he's like, you've got one of the tightest upper backs I've ever worked on. He's like, you're in the 95th percentile for tightness of back. He's like, the fact that you're not in more pain is surprising. So and today, because I was on, on uh, light duty for a couple of weeks because I had surgery done, uh, he goes, your back was, he goes, your hips were good this week. You know, your upper back was, you know, looser than it was. So he did like three crack adjustments on me in one setting today. Usually he does one every two. One adjustment. Otherwise, he just stretches me out and massages me to loosen me up. And I was like, all right, cool. So I got a part because he cracked my back. Who, who do you, who's your chiropractor? Um, Dimitri Landis. He's a younger chiropractor and he's, he's a, Sports and spine specialist. He's like 31 years old. He's a younger guy. I worked with him at the store. Um, Dr. Landis out of Fredonia. It's one of his boys. It's his oldest boy. Uh, okay. He, I know Landis. I know Dr. Landis. He's my doctor. Yeah. It's one. It's his son. His son who was a bodybuilder. So Nice. I approve. Oh, he's huge. He's awesome. He's a bodybuilder who, who went to Fredonia or wherever and got his got his degree in physical therapy and was doing physical therapy at the gym while he was in pre-med and then when he went to 
went to med school and had to pick his concentration. He picked chiropractor. So he's, he's blended his practice with his physical therapy and his chiropractor knowledge. So he sits you, he puts you in his room with his table for a half an hour and he does, he, he does, you know, flexors and neck loosengers and, you know, muscle releases. And then he'll, he'll lay it out face down on the table and he'll do an, do an adjustment or two or he'll just run the massage gun and run cups on me every three months just to release everything in my lower back. And he does all sorts of little, you know, you know, kind of a blend of massage and, and chiropractic at the same time. And it's awesome. 65 bucks a pop. And that just, so he got me up and running in a month, like back to 80 nice. Like from, from being able to not walk on my right leg back to 80%. And once I got through it, I haven't had an issue with it since. So I was just working on my upper so back. Are you, are you doing anything to strengthen your core then, Dana? Uh, stretching and making sure that anytime I left anything with it, I, you know, engage it properly and use proper lifting techniques and that kind of stuff. I mean, I do a lot of lifting and moving at the store building tables and whatnot. So I just, I mean, I use my body as much. As you know, I'm going to tell you, you got to actually do like, oh, I work out, work out. Come on. Come on. I know that. Well, I, my schedule doesn't allow it. It might now. I'm going to have to start going to the gym at 8 p.m. Really? Yeah. Well, exactly. Like, hey, if you got time to talk to me at 8 p.m. at night, like you got time to like, be like, hey, man, I'm going to go do some fucking heavy deadlifts and squats. Well, this this wasn't I wasn't supposed to have this free time. My wife, oh, uh, your wife, your start. wife is being very nice to you. Well, no, my wife's schedule didn't allow it until this fall. Before that, oh, okay, I was working second shift. Then I was working first shift, so I was on daddy duty until eleven o'clock at night, and then it was going to bed, get up at seven, get ready to go to work, and go to work in the morning, and then just didn't. Eh. I couldn't go. I wasn't getting up. I wasn't staying up until 1130 to make sure she got home up from Forestville in the middle of winter and then getting up at 6 a.m. and going to the gym. That's not me. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't know anyone who would do that. You know what? I'm not going to say anything because that's just dumb. It'd be dumb to say it. (laughs) But now that we're not gonna lie, I'd probably make the same choice as you did. I'd be like, "Yeah, fuck that. I like sleep and pizza. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sleep and pizza. Sleep and pizza. Uh, I know how to make homemade chicken Alfredo now. My wife's family. hey, all right. Yeah, like now we're just, now we're getting somewhere. Homemade Alfredo. Now we gotta get you on simple. Matt, Matt. We gotta get you on the chicken parm bandwagon. I mean, I know how to make a good meat sauce. I, I make a good homemade. You're meat. halfway there. And I and I next we gotta teach you how to bread some chicken. I I, I was just gonna say I I always do I always do breaded chicken tenders to go on top of the chicken Alfredo. So I've done chicken parm before, but my wife just really likes Alfredo, so I make her. Family Alfredo recipe like once every three weeks, just and it takes half an hour. I mean, there ain't nothing wrong with that. I don't blame you. But, I mean, also transversely, sometimes you just need a good chicken parm. 
I don't, we've done veal farm. We got a bunch of veal veal patties, so we've been having veal farm. I mean, yeah, that's good too, but I mean, there's something about chicken parm. And when I say chicken parm, I mean a chicken parm sandwich, not chicken parmesan pasta. But like, you know, you gotta get that fucking on a, on a big old sandwich roll. You got the red sauce, you got your chicken, you got your cheese. Simple, beautiful. Uh, it's like. Where it's do like you a order gift your from? Parm? Oh, yeah. Where, where do you like to order your chicken parm from? I like to order my chicken parm from a place called My Fucking Kitchen because oh. I'm always disappointed either in the red sauce from the store or they use like the fucking same uh, chicken fingers that they'd use for a chicken finger sub. And for some reason, they all taste super fucking salty and it throws everything off. It's fair. So I make my own. Uh, I'm going to make a recommendation. Okay. Next time you come home, and you get a hankering for a chicken parm, you pick up the phone and you call Ellie's Deli in Silver Creek, and you order a chicken parm sub. They have chicken. They have chicken parmesan patties direct from the supplier that are phenomenal. They're not chicken tenders. And there's just enough sweetness and cheese in the sauce at Ellie's, and they put the extra mozzarella on top. They don't use probe, they use mozz. I will say that. I will say that I do like Ellie's pizza because I think their sauce is pretty on fucking point, and it's not too thick, not too thin in the crust, and they cheese it in pepperoni just the way I like. Not too heavy. Yep. Part of the process. So, yeah, there you go. Try it. Try it before Stan retires and sells the business off and they close. Oh, God damn it. Then there'll be nothing in that town. Uh, the, the other restaurant on the other end of town at the old Army Supply Store location. Oh, Il Villaggio or whatever it is. Yep. Yeah, I still haven't tried that. Um, I mean, their photos look fantastically food pornish, and I really appreciate that, especially considering the area doesn't have a lot of fucking standard food porn pics. Right. Well, believe it or not, people in Silver Creek are surprisingly picky for not having much around because 20 years ago, they had a lot around. Hideaway Bay Restaurant, uh, What's the fancy restaurant there? Like the Sunset Base? Colony. The Colony. It's a bunch of really good high-end restaurants. So if you're going to compete in that market there, you've got to be decent. Yeah, then there's Aunt Millie's, Tasty Freeze. Tom's. They are kind of... Yeah, Tom's. But, I mean... I don't know. I, I they, just... they are mildly spoiled, but also, like... There, there used to be like three pizza places to choose from in downtown Silver Creek. I know. Can't there was Ellie's, Reds, and something else. And, but, and now there's just Ellie's, which is fine because it was my favorite. Still is my favorite there. Yeah. The only thing Reds had was like personal size pizzas, and that was okay, but. So was Ellie's. But now I am also a fan of what's in the old Red's Pizza building because of pierogi. 
I've got to remember to go to there and buy some of those. Uh, oh, my, my God. Them. That's like my favorite thing to buy there because, you know, they've got them in Tuscany right in town. and But they only have like four varieties, like the four classic varieties or whatever, like, you know, the big sellers. But you go in there and they have every fucking flavor. And then they got the booze flavored like wine. So they have like 20 different booze flavored one, like 20 standard, like nothing crazy out of the ordinary, 20 fucking crazy off the wall variety kind of ones. And then like maybe not 20, maybe like 10 ish of like the, the different booze line category ones. Awesome. And they all are fucking amazing. Well, we have to go to there then, I guess. Oh, dude, I fucking, I would say you definitely should bring a freezer or not a freezer, but like, you know, like a cooler and like 40 more dollars than you think you need. Okay. okay. Yeah. No, that place is, it's one of my favorite places to go to. And there's some of my favorite people to harass on Instagram. Cause you know, anytime they post anything, it's just, Hey, uh, you guys shipping nationwide yet? No. Fuck. <laughs> I'll see you when I get back in two weeks. Okay. Uh, we can talk well, about yeah, because mainly because I want to send it to like, last time I went to North Carolina, my best friend from the Marines, he still lives down there, and I got him addicted to pierogi. And so when I went down there the last time, I'm just like, hey, uh, what do you want? And he's just like, bring me whatever you think I want. I'm like, okay, cool. So I brought him whatever I want. And, you know, we had a great feast of pierogi. And then we went and visited another one of my buddies who had just retired from his 20 years in the Marines. Mm -hmm. And he's from Boston. His wife is from Boston. like somewhere in between Cleveland and Columbus. <laughs> and like we, the word pierogi just came up and her eyes lit up and she looked at me and said, what did you say? I said, pierogi. So I wanted to send some to them too, just because I'm like, I know you can't get good pierogi here. You can only get Mrs. T's son of a bitch. And that's what I had. Unacceptable. That's what I have for tonight for dinner. Mrs. T's original in the big old bag. I throw 10 in the frying pan uh, with butter, saute them low for like 20 minutes in butter in the frying pan, and then sausage in the other frying pan. And today, I, because my wife's being more health conscious, I also made green beans in a pot as well while cooking everything. So there you go. And it was already in 25 minutes. I, I, hey, next time you're being health conscious, use olive oil. It won't taste right, but neither do Mrs. T's. Yeah. Yeah. I've used olive oil before. The butter's less volatile. It is less volatile, and it heats better, more evenly, better flavor. Um, yeah, there's a lot of reasons to use butter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What was the other thing I was going to say? Wow. Oh, yeah. So the other reason I want them to ship it nationwide is so I can send it to my brother. Uh, he's stationed up in Alaska Ooh. and he's getting out soon though. He's almost done with the army. And, uh, so for Christmas, I sent him, have you ever been to buffalofoods.com? Bachman? No, buffalofoods.com. No. 
So you can get, like, all the Buffalo Classic things, except you can't send any of the meats outside the lower 48, because, you know, you have to uh, overnight it, and you can't overnight things to Alaska. So, like, I couldn't send them Salins or, like, a fucking Wardinsky's or uh, hams or anything, like, cool like that. Right. Or even chicken wings. But, I mean, if you can't make your own chicken wings, I severely question you. So I sent him, like, several bottles of Chevettas and sponge candies. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, he just, like, opened it up, and he's just like, yes. Like, uh, and, like me, my sister, and him have a group chat of just, like, you know, the three of us basically talking shit to each other. And there was no, like, I couldn't, like, put a gift note on it or anything. So I'm just like, hell no, it's from me. He's got it. So he's just, like, sends the picture. He's like, which one of you two did this? I'm like, that was me. Uh, yeah. Uh, you're like, we're having a lot of barbecue chicken. I got three bottles of shy venice to use. Look out. Well, I mean, he doesn't have to use it all in the first week. I mean, if he does, then that just means that, you know, he has impulse control issues. But also, he does have a wife and three kids, so maybe. You never know. It's still, it stretches pretty, it's a vinaigrette-based marinade. It stretches pretty good. I mean. I mean, I feel like a gallon and a half of Chevettos can last you at least fucking four months. At least yeah. minimal, minimal. If you use it regularly, some people buy a bottle and it takes them four years to use it. They just, you know, there's. Yeah, I mean, it just depends. I don't, I don't buy it at all. I, I, we like, uh, I don't know, what did I just use for bar? You just wait until they're in a parking lot grilling it off. I think right across the street from work. Almost weekly, dude. Almost weekly. I'm not kidding you. Now they do the pop up in the Lucky Lanes parking lot. They get there at noon and they're grilling all day long. And they usually close, they usually run out by five fifteen, five thirty. So I can usually get over there and get something, whether it's chicken or barbecue ribs, if I want them. Nice. Yeah. So it's really torture if I have to go load something at like two in the afternoon and they're out there just, just hammering down smoking chicken and the whole parking lot's covered. I'm just like <sighs> My favorite is when they do it in downtown Fredonia and all the buildings just trap the smoke in the center of town. And it's just like yes! I want to go to there. Oh, man. But, you know, generally it's they're doing that because they closed off the street for something. Yeah, generally. It's like, oh, what's going down here? Like, oh, cool, chicken. Yeah, uh, chicken in some lame town event. I'm here for the chicken. For the chicken. And, a, and a reasonably priced beer that's going to proceed some organization that's doing a thing with the town thing. Yeah. yeah. Man, I don't know what life has dealt me in the last, like, let's call it like five years, but like, I just kind of stopped drinking one day. I'm just like, no. Uh, yeah. And it's gotten progressively and progressively less and less. Like, my running joke for a while was I have a beer per fiscal quarter, and now it's not even that, I feel like. Huh. Well, I'm like, I don't know. Huh? I just don't have the desire to. I, I don't even, like, like, 
I sometimes I want the taste of it, and I'm just like, and I like the idea of it, but then I like, I don't regret it, but I'm just like, I don't know. It wasn't wasn't for you. Oh, well, that's good. I never overindulged, so for me, it's it's just. I did. Yeah, I I've listened to a chunk of your podcast library. I've gathered that. I've gathered. <sighs> Man, there's. There's one guy, me and my buddy Donnie Farabaugh, we were in the Marines together, and we tried to record one twice, and for some reason, both times, like, stupid shit just happened with the recording, like, one time it recorded him, but not me, another time something else fucking stupid happened, but those were the only two, just like, I don't fucking know, we'll figure something out one day, whenever we make it work again. But me and him, the dumbest amount of drinking in the barracks like we had an Oktoberfest, just me and him so every day one october drunk as a fucking skunk every day and when you're enlisted living in the barracks you don't make a lot of money so we weren't drinking good stuff <laughs> like it, it was and whatever is budget equivalent like you went to the corner store and it said beer on it, so you bought it because it was cheap. No, there's this bottle of liquor. They make two kinds. They make vodka and a gin. It's called Burnett's, and it was seven dollars for a fifth. And you can put that in whatever you want for a mixer chaser and gall. Uh, so it gets worse from there. There's also this other thing, which was $5 for a half gallon called Military Special. And it was just Military Special whiskey, vodka, rum, tequila, and gin. And they, like both of these, well, Burnett's wasn't horrible, horrible, but the only thing that made it palatable was that it had a lot of amazing flavors like name a fruit and it was that flavored for vodka so there was a watermelon one i remember like that when it went great with yeah. wine punch and a couple other things uh and like grape things like that lime lemon strawberry like that sort of stuff like think 99 bananas but low-end vodka yeah and then a lot more flavors too uh yeah so that was that was burnett's but military special was five dollars a bottle and this is a half gallon bottle and it was just rock gut horrible fucking shit like mix it with coca-cola and like add extra sugar just to fucking chug it down because you have to hate yourself to drink this or love drinking to drink that i was just in the begrudging category of I'm doing this to make a point that I can drink the entirety of October like the Germans, not understanding how the Germans actually drink. <laughs> uh, yeah. They drink and eat. Yes. They drink and eat at the same time. And they most, mostly drink ales. Very good tasting ales, by the way. No, they make more lagers and kolsches. Ales is England. Yeah. Yeah, so lagers, kolsches, and pilsners are German. Ales are English. And same with stouts, I believe. This is, this is a 
So Jenny's back on the board. Back not only is is Jenny beer back on the menu, they're back on the board. Ah, uh, what do you mean by on the board? Like, like they got raided worldwide. Jenny Cream Ale, which we used to call Screamers, you know, back in the college days, was rated like number three in the world as far as quality and taste of like a cream style beer goes. So that like, right. so that little marquee kind of opened the floodgates for them to like start tinkering again because that's all they were selling. And so now they've got, they've got Kolsch's, they've got Kaliber's, they've got the citrus pills, which they was a fan fan build for the, for the season. And it's, Almost like Blue Moon. What was the one that my my buddy gave me one last summer? It wasn't the grapefruit Kolsch. There was, it was a different Kolsch. It was like one of the fruit Kolsches, but it was fucking delicious. It's the one they and they had to- pineapple. Pineapple. Pineapple it was the Jenny pineapple Kolsch. That was fucking amazing. I loved it. Yeah. It's just- but that, was, but that was one of the ones where I'm like, this is my beer for the summer. And I literally had that one can of beer. And that was... Maybe yeah, citrus pills. Yeah, because he gave me one. And I then I bought a six-pack. And I drank that over the rest of the summer. So I had six beers over the summer. Pretty happy summer. One hell of the 4th of July. It was very warm over the summer. So, you know, I wanted some beers after mowing the lawn. Yeah. Me too. I... I Mostly when I just drink beer, I, I've been a Coors Banquet guy for a while. Um, but like I said, Jenny's cheaper than Coors, and they've come out with all these specialty beers that are a little more tasty than a regular full-flavor lager or Pilsner, whatever you want to call it. You know, whatever you drink, whether it's a Labatt or a blah, 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 or a Himadabadoobie, I can't drink any of that crazy microbrew stuff. Because the more I was for a while, the more hazy it is, the worse indigestion I get. Like people like their IPAs, oh, dude, and IPAs tear me oh. up. Tear me. Up. All right, go to Downtown Brew. Yeah, I know. You were right there in Downtown Fredonia. So I love that place because. Uh, when it was McGill's, they sponsored my bar league hockey team. And so I, I know the owner, Janet, pretty well. And she's a fucking fantastic human being. But I love it now that it's downtown brew because I went in there one day. Uh, I think I was, yeah, I was with my buddy Kyle. And we went, stopped there after he coached some of his fighters up at Riverworks because he teaches kickboxing. And so, like, I watch the fights because sometimes they'll let me practice with them and they kick me in the uh, chest and it's really fun for them, not for me. Uh, and so, you know, after that, we went downtown and stopped and got some uh, things. I like fruited sour beers. And so they're not like the crazy IPA weird haziness or anything. They're kind of sour, but they have fruit in it, too, to cut through that. I had one where I just looked at the guy, Todd, who fucking, uh, you know, Todd, you fucking delivers for one of the, whatever you call those places, the, what are those called? Distributors. 
one of the beer distributors. So I've seen him like Walmart tops, like dropping shit off. And I'm just like, surprise me, man, a fruit and sour. And he gives me this one and it looks like a beer version of the old high C ecto cooler. Mm-hmm. All right. And he's like, trust me on this. I'm like, okay, pours it for me. It's green. Like the old high C ecto cooler. I drink it. It tastes exactly fucking like it. Like to the point where I'm like, is there even alcohol in this? And there was. <laughs> and he goes, ten, he goes, nine point eight percent. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's, it's something fucking ridiculous like that, where you're just like, holy no. shit! Like that is, like whoever, whatever mad alcohol scientist made that is a fucking genius, and good for them for that. But also, that is how dare world, you? That's the world we live in now. If you want it, somebody's probably already thought about it and turned it into a microbrew. <sighs> He's got to look for it. Yep. Yeah. All right. Nostalgia. Man. That's what everyone needs. That's what what the the current cultural machine is living off of right now, nostalgia. That's because nobody has any more original ideas that will actually sell, because if you do have an original idea, they want it to be proven first before they try to push it, because I don't know what it is. They just... The dream is down. They don't want to try to build up whatever the hell you call that talent the way that they used to, where they did the shotgun method for talent acquisition, so that's like Books, music, um, name a name some way that someone could be entertained, and like they're just like they want to rehash old shit instead of making new great shit. Yep. Yep. I also think part of it is is because everything's in flux for like payments and like all that other stuff with streaming and. I don't know, just absolutely everything. I I can like if you I can paraphrase it for you because somebody proposed this in a group chat the other day and it came out of my brain in the middle of the workday perfectly. So I'm gonna go to go to my phone so I can reread the message because um it was talk they're talking about if everybody actually got like a billion dollars. Um Let's see if I can actually find it. And I literally, literally said, and we're at the point where our economy is so profit-driven that um, gone are the days where everything could be crafted quality instead of for-profit. That's what I said. I said everything could actually be crafted as quality product. And I lost them. 